Hello, and welcome to the Free to Be Show. Today, I'm very excited to share with you the Good Thing Guru. Um, Kimberly Cleveland helps single women become wives, be that good thing. And in her bio, she says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And this is Proverbs 1822. She's a certified master life coach, relationship expert, international speaker, number one best-selling author, the owner of the travel company Lux Life Ventures, award-winning TV show producer, event producer, and mother. She has been featured in Swag Her Magazine, Glambitious Magazine, the I Am Doctor, Sharon Radio Show, Cheryl Woods, Impact the World Radio Show, and the new Empower Woman Radio Show and so much more. She's been a wife, ha having been a wife and experiencing the pain of divorce, she knows what it, what to do and what not to do. And today we have the pleasure of having her as a guest on the Free to Be Show to talk about how to fulfill your desires right after this. You are a blooming flower only if you could open your heart to the possibilities of you. Welcome to the Free to Be Show. Here we have conversations to free your heart, mind, and soul. I am your host, Cordelia Gaffar, the ultimate joy goddess and the possibility of joy within you. I guide women who look powerful on the outside, yet feel voiceless on the inside to be replenished and aligned are you ready for the sacred experience of you are you ready for your soul's medicine i call that for mind alignment which recalibrates your body wisdom from your lotus up to your stomach up to your heart and completes your full transformation in your mind move and explore your lotus mind feed and nourish your stomach mind acknowledge and accept your heart mind transcend your logical mind with sleep be free to be using ancient body wisdom in conversation in community and in practice be free to be And now we welcome Kimberly Cleveland. Hello, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? So honored to be here with you today. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful to have you here. Thank you. So you have a wealth of personal experience and professional experience, I would say, regarding fulfilling desires. Um, and so let us begin with when someone is going through the storms of their relationship, how do you help them to elevate um, themselves to the to point where they can ask for help? Absolutely. I think first, like you said, they have to acknowledge that they're going through a storm, right? 
Um, I think acknowledgement is so important. Um, a lot of times we are so good at masking um, what we're going through, especially to the outside world. We've gotten so good at it that um, we even fool ourselves sometimes. So you've got to acknowledge exactly the storm, what you're feeling in the storm. Secondly, um, it's important to acknowledge your feelings. You need to sit with that and really um, ask yourself some really rooted questions. Why am I feeling this way? What triggered these feelings? Um, and really, sometimes you will find once you sit with that, that it's not even really about what you're currently going through. It actually may be bringing up things from your past. And this moment is only triggering those past feelings that you haven't dealt with. And so I often coach my uh, clients into, like you said, currently you're going through a storm. What is that bringing up for you? You need to acknowledge that. You need to acknowledge what you're feeling. Um, if it's shame or if it's guilt, why are you feeling guilty? Or why is that bringing up shame for you? Why is it bringing up trust issues for you? And it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Um, but again, it's also important for you to kind of dig deeper to acknowledge where is that coming from? So those are the first couple of steps. Um, and then you continue on that healing journey. Yeah, that's that's very important. I love that you said acknowledge um, that you have a storm and, and, and also um, understanding your emotions. Let's talk about emotions a little bit because quite often, as you were saying, we are so good at masking that we've, we've numbed ourselves. And so um, a lot of the women that I work with, mm -hmm. they're very much in their doing. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm just curious, how do you separate women from their doing and get them more into their being? Absolutely. And that's why I said acknowledge the storm. That might have sounded funny to someone, you know, like, what do you mean acknowledge the storm? Because like you said, we're so busy doing and going and being the strong woman that we don't even want to acknowledge that we're going through a storm. It's important that we pay attention, right, to the signs and not to ignore them and to acknowledge them. But as you said, that first stops with slowing down, stop doing and just be. Um, and so, like I said, I make that a, um, I encourage my clients to make that a part of their daily habit to sit in the morning, right? Get quiet within themselves. Stop getting caught up in the doing, 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 and just be. Even if that's just 15 more minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening, it's important that you have that self-acknowledgement, right? To understand and connect um, to your mind, body, and spirit, right? And so making that a daily practice to just be, right? To center yourself, to ground yourself, um, and to evaluate what's going inside. Um, that might be a reflection of what's going on outside, right? They're mirror images. And so it's important that they have those practice. I'm very big on self-awareness, right? That you take a look in the mirror and be honest with the woman in the mirror, right? That honesty starts there. You can't trust anyone else if you can't even trust and be honest with yourself. Yeah, yeah. That self-trust is super important. And then self-compassion, right? I'm, I'm hearing also like in that stillness, 
um, you get a chance to be with your own heart yes. and be more connected. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm also wondering when, when your clients say that they have something that they desire to create, right? Mm -hmm. They're in this habit of stillness and everything. What do you usually see as the barrier between them reaching that, um, that goal? Clarity. I would say clarity, right? We have these desires that we, we, we say we want, but we really haven't gotten clear around those desires, whether it's, you know, I want to be in a relationship or I want a man in my life, or I want to go to the next level in my career, or, you know, I want to explore maybe opening my own business. Okay. You, you put those desires out in the atmosphere, but you really need to get clarity around those desires because until you get clear, you really can't manifest, right? You can't create what you desire until you get clear on it. So I think a lot of times the blockages, they really haven't gotten clear and specific surrounding those desires. So that's the first step. Oh, wow, clarity. <laughs> Yeah, let's just begin with getting rid of the clouds and um, and seeing the actual trees, right? Just seeing um, what is really there. So let's talk about magnetizing more of what fulfills us. Um, take me to take me through a a, a scenario. Okay, let me. See. I'm going to be your client for a minute. Is that okay? You want to roll? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, so I would like to magnetize a partner who um, is more of a protector, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when I say a protector, like uh, someone who will see that even though I have a, a strong practice of self-nurturing, like mm -hmm. he'll be like Cordelia. You need to slow down and get into right. your self-nurturing, right? Right. But I am always um, like, oh, no, I got that. I know I got that, right? So tell, tell me what do I do to um, recalibrate what's happening within me? Right. A lot of times we have that duality going on, right? You talked about, well, I want someone who's a protector and I know I'm self-nurturing, but I want someone else to be able to tell me, oh, you need to go do self-nurturing, right? Well, like you said, if you were doing that, why would you necessarily need that in another partner? So I would say first, take a look in the mirror and are there times where you're not practicing what you're preaching, so to speak, right? Um, because you're feeling like you need that reminder from someone else. So again, it's about you trusting yourself if in fact that you're you're doing that, right, um, then you're saying, okay, I just want to make sure that we have alignment in that, that he practices that for himself. I continue to practice that for me. And we're going to in turn, um, because that's who we are innately, going to reciprocate that for each other, right? So that's what I would say first is make sure that you are in fact practicing what you're preaching. Continue in that practice. Um, you know, take an evaluation of how have you currently been doing it and how can you now 
expand and go to the next level of being that protector for yourself? Have you set clear boundaries? Do you honor your own boundaries with yourself, right? When you say, I'm going to do that, do you hold yourself accountable? And then again, once you become that, you're going to naturally attract that. So it won't, you won't even have to worry about it, have anxiety about it. Once you become it, you will naturally attract it. Okay. And so I'm hearing that I need to be completely honest with myself yeah. <laughs> and, um, and really trust the process of uh, what that honesty brings. And okay, so let's skip ahead. Let's say I found that guy, right? And we're in it now. And it's yeah. like moving along really well. And then it's like, there's, um, what am I gonna, I'm gonna say it this way. So I, let's say everything's going well until he displays behaviors mm -hmm. that I remember from a toxic relationship, right? right? And right. I thought I had resolved my issues. Right. And the truth is, he's not really being that toxic person. Right. But my lenses are not clear. So right. what's really happening there? Right. So really what that is showing you is that, like you said, there's some other issue that I haven't fully resolved, that I haven't fully healed. And this, this behavior that he's doing may not necessarily be what I think, it's just triggering it because it's got some similarities, right? Or he could be, you know, we're all imperfect beings on growth. So we've got to naturally be able to not only give ourselves grace, but give our partners grace because they're not perfect, right? And so one, start with yourself, acknowledge that, hey, the universe is trying to um, tell me something. There's something else that I need to go back and work on. So do that. Like you said, sit with it, acknowledge it. Hey, I'm feeling like there's still some remnants here because that was a little triggering. Let me go back and explore and dig deeper. Usually it's, we need to dig deeper. We, 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 we acknowledged it superficially first. And I, don't, I use superficially loosely, like we acknowledged it at the, at the first level, right? Which is where, where we had to start in our walk. But after we've taken the first step, sometimes we need to go back and revisit it because as we grow and we heal, then we can go into some more deeper healing. And so that's where I would tell you um, to start with. And then again, once you do that, then you can see getting down more to the roots of what's going on. I don't like these answers. It keeps coming <laughs> back to me. Yes, it always you, right? <laughs> It always points back to you. And that's where you have the greatest control, right? You don't necessarily have the control over your partner. You have the control over you and how you're going to react. Um, once you heal, that person can display the same um, behavior and it not be triggering for you because you've healed. And so you're like, oh, that's something that you probably need to deal with. It's not affecting me. I'm not feeling any type of a way. It's not taking me back to the past because I've healed. So you'll be able to communicate with your partner about in the past, that would have been triggering, but it's not triggering. But I'm curious, why do you display that behavior? Where is it coming from for you? And then you'll be able to help your partner heal from that or address 
what that behavior is about in a healthy manner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. I, I, I wanted to bring that into the fold because, you know, glad you did. Yes. when we get what we want and then the residue of what we haven't healed shows up, yes. you know, it's so easy to point fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's also an opportunity, like you said, where we can recognize, Ooh, I got residue. And that's the great thing about being in a relationship, right? Because when you're an island, you think you have that I'm all healed up. I'm good. Right. And so the, the best place to find out whether or not you're all healed up is in a relationship. Right. And, um, your partner is also, um, healing, you know, like you said, we're, we're, everybody's imperfect. We're perfectly imperfect and giving ourselves and our partner grace. (laughs) Yes. And really that's what the two coming together do for each other, right? They're there to be able to minister to each other, to help each other grow and elevate. And like you said, you're so much greater together because again, your partner can see in those blind sides that you can't see. They're there to help perfect you, right? That perfecting is just like you said, continuing to elevate, to grow and to heal. So when you have a partner who's dedicated to being that for you, right? To being someone who can minister to you, who can help you go through the storms of life, who's there to help you be better, even greater than what you already are in your singleness, that's when the greatness of what God has created is able to um, come forth, right? That's what this marriage has de- been designed to be, a perfecting. Um, we say in our Christian faith, it's just like the Christ and the church. He's there to perfect the church. Well, you coming together in this holy matrimony and the sacredness of a journey with a partner that's supposed to be lifelong is there to perfect, to elevate. Um, you're there to elevate each other. So like you said, it is going to bring up some residue, but they should be there steadfast, unmovable to help you navigate through that to reach higher heights, which you couldn't have done by yourself. For the elevation of your souls. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I I love what it looks like when um, the two are in divine union and helping to transmute the residue yes. Um, yes. and just being open to that. So now that we understand the foundational part of that. (laughs) Let's get into the cultivating part of that, right? So um, once, you know, you have that base understanding, I would like to talk more about what are the ways to deeper, more deeply connect. So some, you know, some of the things I talk about quite broadly are um, women being multi-orgasmic, right? So when right. you really open yourself and be, and you're trusting with your partner, yes, you allow yourself to, you know, flower. Yes. And so can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. Again, this union, this coming together, as you said, um, as I teach my clients, the one flesh relationship that God um, created um, is a beautiful thing. And again, when we talk about that one flesh relationship, he has set up boundaries, right, for you to feel protected. And that's why he wants this 
coming together, this bonding, um, which is why it's one flesh, because you're really bonding and becoming one, this vulnerability um, that you're creating, he's creating an environment for that to happen, right? So that you can trust and be free um, to be what God has created. And so again, um, once that happens, just setting the stage as you talked about for you to just be that lotus, to be able to fully blossom, to, to connect in a way and with someone like none other, right? This, that's why this marriage thing is a beautiful thing if we can really understand it. Um, there is a level of connectedness and intimacy and vulnerability that you don't experience in any other relationship. I don't care if it's, if it's parental, I don't care if it's best friend, I don't care if it's brother or sister. There is nothing like the mar marital relationship where the two are coming together and they're exploring um, intimacy in a way that is not only sexual and sensual, but also the level of intimacy emotionally and mentally and spiritually right? Tied together like no other. And so again, as you're coming together and you have committed um, to be that ministerial um, environment for each other, that freedom is there where you can be vulnerable. When you think about even Adam and Eve in the garden, they were naked, symbolizing, I have nothing to hide from you. I am here showing up authentically as me, and I call it, see me, love me. Here I am. Like you said, flaws and alls, um, in my perfectly imperfectness and all, here I am, right? And so I am free to be who I am. You're free to be who you are. I am creating an environment for you to bring all your frailties, weaknesses, um, to bring your heart, right? Um, God says, guard your heart. You're giving your heart to someone uh, and fully exposing that for you to be able to connect um, and, and to trust that they will care for your heart, that they will nurture and cultivate, right, you emotionally and spiritually. Um, so it really is a sacredness that you can't find anywhere else. And I really want to speak to that. I'm glad you brought up that word sacred because I want to create a world where sex is sacred again. Yeah. Only in divine union, because, you know, the purpose really of orgasm is for the enlightenment, is for that, that spiritual connection, mm. you know, to and, and for your ministry, your unified ministry to come into the world. Yeah. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So like you said, that spiritual um you know, a lot of people don't connect sex and spirituality, but it it, it very much is um, co very connected. Uh, and that's why he created, again, these confines for it within this oneness relationship, this one flesh relationship, this marital relationship. You're able to come together and, and many don't understand that sex is a form of worship and it's expression. Repeat that. Huh? <laughs> Repeat that that sex is a form of worship, right? You're giving to your partner. You're, you're pleasing your partner as they are pleasing you. You are worshiping each other. So it very much is a spiritual and sacred act. 
It is also an act of God intended, again, for that intimacy to be created, for you to be drawn to one another, to come back to one another um, in this sacred act, because this act is actually bonding you together. That's how we go off into, we get into soul ties, right? Because it is a bonding of soul and spirit in this act, which is what makes it so sacred. And why he also says in, in scripture that if you decide to separate and not participate in this sexual sacred activity, that you only do it for a short period of time, meaning that you stop because you are so quickly supposed to come back together because this is what keeps you connected. This is what keeps the intimacy and vulnerability um, and the ministering and worshiping of each other um, in the relationship. So yeah, it definitely is sacred. It definitely is spiritual. Um, and we have to get back to um, the importance of what God created in this divine design. Yes. So important. And that's, you know, that's really what my whole message is about. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because like you're the perfect person to um, to validate and reconfirm, you know, that sex is a spiritual act. Yes. It's an act of worship. I mean, yes, you're right for each other, but also to God. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, you must be intentional, you know, uh, go into it prayerfully, begin yeah. with a prayer, you know, in with yeah. a prayer, praise right. him during it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> God is there in the midst. It's really you three, right? And we don't think about it that way either. We think we're, we're hiding, we're in this space and it's just you and I, but no, actually, you know, first of all, God is within you. So God is always present, uh, but also the spirit is there. God is there in that um, communing you two together in this sacred union. And again, that's why, you know, scripture says that that marriage bed is undefiled. God has created the space where you and your partner can be free, free to explore each other, free to worship each other. Um, there is, you don't have to fear that, right? When you two are coming together with God's intentions of you expressing and worshiping, um, and and God intended for us to have pleasure. Wow, wow, right? What a great thing that God created <laughs> for us to be able to experience this um, with our partner. And and when we do that, you know, we make the world a better place. So when you Absolutely. have this type of foundational union in your home. When you go out into the world in your individual purposes, you elevate the collective consciousness. Absolutely. And so I'm going to a little bit tangent here. Sure. Okay. Um, one thing that sex has been used for in the world is shame. And it's mm -hmm. also been weaponized. Yes. Um, it's, it's a weapon in war, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So how do we create a world where the messaging is changed from a shameful one and also it's not 
I guess that's two really separate questions. But first of all, like how to how to make it not be shameful anymore. And secondly, um, how do we get it out of being a weapon of war? You know what I mean when I say a weapon of war, like they use rape and stuff. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So first, in order to get it out of shame, we've got to bring it out in the open, right? Anytime there's shame, there's something that has gone on in darkness, right? And so in order to, to take away the shame, we've got to start talking about it a lot earlier, right? Um, I know in the church, you know, sex is always a taboo thing to talk about. And a lot of times when it's talked about, it's talked about in a shameful way. Right. You shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be talking about it. Um, you shouldn't be doing it outside of, of, of marriage. And I'm not saying that that's not necessarily true, but we don't talk about the flip side of it. Many have not even explored um, the idea in scripture in the Song of Solomon's where he is talking about sex and his sensuality and his desire for his partner in a sexual way. Again, everything that God created the devil tries to pervert. So in order to take away the shame, we've got to talk about that this is a God created and ordained and sanctioned thing and that it is beautiful. We've got to talk about why God created it like we're talking about now. And we've got to talk about it um, early on with our children, right? In, a, in an age appropriate way, but we've got to start there about you know, taking away the stigma and the shame of not only you being a sexual being, right? But that those desires and those feelings, even at an early age that you're having, they're natural. Um, and we have to train and coach our children to put them in the appropriate um, environment and space, but we've got to take the shame off of it, right? And you have that conversation very early. You know, I know my parents talked to me very early on, you know, probably around five or six about what sex was in a very, like I said, age appropriate way. Mom and dad love each other and they want to get as close as they can to one another, right? You know, and so again, you take away the shame and the stigma from and uh, about sex, and you take away that early. And then you begin to build upon that. Our teens, like you said, are hearing about sex. Whether you want to talk about it in your household or not, someone else is gonna tell them about sex. I would prefer that I talk to my child about sex, and I did, so that I can give them the proper picture, right? Um, and, and create the proper environment for us to be able to have a free conversation about it. Right. And so we've got to do that. But many times in our households, because of what has gone on, we want to sweep it under the rug. We don't want to talk about it. And we want to put and because we don't talk about it, our kids innately think, well, it's bad because no one's talking about it. Right? Um, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. That energy you talked about energy is there. We need to take that energy away from it. And, and put the positive energy back in it. Because like we're saying, God created it. He created it to be a beautiful thing. And so I think that's where we first take away the shame. So I hope it, I answered that part of the question. You totally did. And so I just want to, um, before we go to the other side of that question, you brought up a good point about age appropriate. Because, you know, uh, children, like babies, I'm going to say babies, like two, three years old, right? They, they mm -hmm. discover their bodies and they start touching themselves. And that 
is where we have an opportunity to not shame them, you know, say, oh, what did you find there, you know, and let them understand that it's normal, natural, and sacred. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, like, you, you know what I'm talking about is uh, when children find that they, they are self-pleasuring mm -hmm. and just really cultivating that that's a normal thing. This is an opportunity to, again, uh, create intentionality and um, prayerfulness, even in the self-pleasure. What do you think about that? Right. No, I, again, like you said, we definitely need to address it. You know, the longer that that the talk goes unsaid, there's more room for uh, negativity and negative energy to come in. So again, you as the parent have to set that stage. You as the parent have to create that environment. Um, and so again, like once you even, you know, once you realize that maybe your child is, like you said, self-pleasuring or has an awareness about their body, you have to have the healthy conversations. And you need to th be thinking about that before you become a parent, right? <laughs> you, can't, you can't do this on the fly. So you have to start creating your communication, your words around how you want to um, have the conversation with your child. Um, that's your parental responsibility to do that. Um, so I'm always like, you know, stop being reactive, be proactive. And so how do you want to address it? What are the words that you want to put around it? Um, how do you want to cultivate their um, sex and sexuality and their sensuality? Um, that starts earlier. And we, we've got to acknowledge that, right? Because they're hearing the music. They're seeing it on TV. They're seeing it on YouTube. Um, so like you said, we as the parents, we are the stewards of our children. And so we have the responsibility to address that. Yeah. Yeah. That. And so <clears throat> when we don't, and we allow shame and darkness to prevail when it comes to the guise of sex, um, we don't, uh, we don't allow ourselves a platform to talk about the toxicity of what um, happens. Right. You know, uh, when you, when you talk about rape culture or even using it as a weapon of war. So what are your thoughts on that? Again, that, that all stems from not um, fully educating our children properly at an early age right? They've learned to weaponize um, sex because they've learned it from culture um, and that we're so afraid to talk about it. They're left to then create their own narrative or let someone else create the narrative for them. And so again, we as parents, as women have to stand up and continue to educate those around us about the proper um, narrative and communication around sex. So it all starts there. It all starts with each of us taking responsibility on this narrative that has been created and writing it, right? Writing it, meaning making it right <laughs> and also writing it. Right. Um, and so, you know, so we have to stand up. We have to be bold about it. Um, and, you know, actually, you know, Put our money where the mouth where the where our mouth is. 
um, stop buying it, stop listening to it. Um, again, uh, we have to also, as a culture, um, just like uh, Ava DuVernay and you know the other greats out here, start writing our own stories and start um, being the, the counter to what's already out there. Get back to the love stories and writing what Black love looks like. That's why I love Black love because they are painting. There is a positive narrative out there. And so we just have to keep combating it with the positive. And that's why I always say too, you know, as a culture, we can't be afraid to show our children what love looks like, like that, that affection, that kiss, um, see mommy and daddy making up. Um, they have to see the healthy version to know this is not all of what there is. So it's one thing to talk about it, but then we also have to show up as it so that they can see, no, this picture that the world is painting, that is not quite the picture because I see this other picture over here and I see how it's supposed to be. So not only have mommy and daddy talk to me about it, but I'm seeing it live out. I love it. So we've completely connected all the dots to you must be the example of what you desire to see in the world. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's so, my prayer. Yes, that's my prayer as well. I'm so grateful to know you and to to have this conversation with you today. And I would like to hear your final golden nugget on really how to truly fulfill all of your desires. Absolutely. And so, as I said before, it's, it's important that you get clarity around your desires, right? Um, Cordelia and I have been talking about sitting still and getting quiet and getting in the practice of just being. Um, get in the practice of being and meditating upon your desires, right? Everything you desire, the questions, the answers are with inside of you. So I want you to sit down and get clarity around your desires, whether it's that, again, that relationship that you want, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it look like on a daily basis? Um, how is the communication? How do you spend time with one another? Get, I mean, get specific and get clear, right, about what it is that you want to first manifest and create. Get clarity around that. Um, when you get clear, then you can better manifest and create. Um, those, the word says the people perish for a lack of knowledge, but they also perish because of a lack of a vision. So you've got to get the vision clear around what you desire. And that's why I love vision boards, because they bring clarity around um, what you want. So get a picture of it in your mind, but then also go a step further um, and begin to journal and write daily about what it looks like, what the experience looks like. Um, and who you are in the relationship and who they are in the relationship. What I love to do specifically around relationships with my clients is ask my clients, okay, what does the man look like that you desire, right? And I tell them, make a list. And then once you've made that list, what does his counterpart look like, right? We're very good about looking at what does he look like, but that man that you're desiring, what does he desire? So intrinsically, you've created a character sketch, right, of who he is. Well, based upon his character, 
then what is that man looking for? It's important because a lot of times it will reveal what the areas that you need to work on to be able to attract what you're trying to attract. So again, clarity is the key. And again, also another thing that I find is a roadblock to desires and getting the things that you desire is that you've got to believe it. You've got to believe that you're worthy of it. You've got to be believe that you're worthy of that career advancement, that you're worthy of that business that you want to go after, right? That you're worthy of the clients and the abundance that God has intended for you. So a lot of times people are not um, getting what they desire because they really have an issue about, I don't feel worthy enough, right? We find ourselves saying, oh, that costs too much. But when you say that costs too much, that means you're not worthy of having it. So you need to replace that, that conversation that you're having around whatever it is that you desire, right? So it goes back to belief and then also goes back to what are you saying about the desires of your heart? You may need to go back and change your language around it. So those are the three, three things that I want to leave you with today is get clear, right? about what you desire, um, get clear about the conversation that you're having around it and get clear that you are truly worthy and you believe that you're worthy of having it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And yes, for those of you who are viewing and or listening, if you resonate with the Good Thing Guru, Kimberly Cleveland. Please invest in yourself by connecting with her. Yeah. And, um, and also, if you benefited from this conversation, share this with another heart, share this with another soul. And until next week, be free. Thank you for being present for the Free to Be Show with the possibility of joy within you. Now go into the oceans of your mind and integrate and stimulate the body wisdom within you today. Create the remainder of your day differently. Be a stand for who you be. Experiment with using your voice. And if you require a soft place, to land in community, connect with me at theultimatejoygoddess.com. Together we will explore the joy within you. Until next week, be free.